Hello, and welcome to the High Street Community Church Podcast. We're so excited you're learning alongside us, and we pray this message leads you closer to the Lord and others. High Street Community Church is simply a family of friends following Jesus. God bless you as you listen. Good morning. So we are um, at the front end of our series on live your slash our best life, walking through the book of 1 John. And um, as a reminder, it's a letter written by the Apostle John, and he's written it to churches scattered throughout Turkey, what's now modern-day Turkey, and, and many of these churches are around 50 years old, which is the age of our church. And I was sitting here thinking, what if um, this is like as if Marvin Webster wrote us a letter, or Ken Kudo stood up here and said, hey, here's the basic things we used to do that you should remember when we started the church. These are the basic things we planned on the church. This is what the basic things to mean, what it is, means to follow Christ. Because after 50 years, sometimes you lose the, lose the plot, and you need a corrector. You say, okay, what was our purpose? What's, what's the point of being a Christian? That's what this letter does quite a bit with the basic things, the basic truths of the gospel that help all of us. Um, and the cool thing is, actually I probably shouldn't tell you this, but you could just hit here today's sermon and it would cover all the weeks of sermons we're going to do in 1 John because it's kind of like the cliff notes of the whole book are going to be today. So actually if you get a little confused today, come back for all the other weeks and I'll straighten it out. But um, the basics, actually the basics of the whole Bible are in this um, first part of First John, it just tells the real, you know, the core truths that we need to know as followers of God are wrapped up in these few verses. So the question, which has um, popped up out of this whole series, is do you want to live your best life? And I don't want to just assume that. I want to ask you, do you want to live your best life? Do we want to live our best life? And there's, that question goes, um, even though he's writing this to churches, it goes to every human. And some of us don't know God or haven't met God yet or we're not surrendered to God yet. And you need to know that the Bible claims that the way to live your best life is with God. Not independent of God, not away from God. That is not the way to live your best life. That we weren't made to live that way. He didn't design us that way. So we have to admit our need, our dependence on God, and we have to receive the redemption, the rescue, the fixing. And I'll talk about that from Jesus. And then we can live life with God. That's the story we're going to look at today. As a follower of Christ, we know that the Bible claims this, that the best life is life with God, but sometimes, like I said, we, we start well, but then we lose the plot. You know, we come to Jesus, I need you, and then we start to live as if we don't need him, and it gets us in a bad spot. We need reminders, and today's a good reminder for that, to get us back on trap, and we need to live God's ways, not ours. Let me pray. Um, for us as we launch in this morning. God, we admit um, we're not very good at life without you. We admit that we try. We do believe that you have the best for us, and we're grateful that you reveal your best in your word, and you revealed your best in your son, Jesus Christ. May each of us uh, be open-hearted to receive this truth now. Amen. Okay, so it's a pretty simple message this morning. 
I'm going to give a little bit of an introduction, kind of like, hey, here's what the passage is going to say. I'll read the passage, and then I'm going to pull out four key words, which are in your sermon notes, that you'll want to take notes on what those are, and then we're going to, um, we're going to actually live this stuff out in, in um, worship this morning and, and as we take communion. Um, so the, the overview of the passage, and you'll get it even if I just read it, but I still want to say it before I read it, is it starts out with just saying, God is light. Now what does that mean, God is light? And, and in him there's no darkness at all. And what John is telling us is that God is perfect and he's true and he's you know, bright and brilliant, nothing hiding, nothing false, no darkness at all. And then we're invited to join God in that light, but we sin. And we choose to live in the dark, all of us, at some point, some way, somehow. But, another but in here, Jesus offers a way into the light. We don't have to stay in the darkness, and that comes through forgiveness, confession, and cleansing. And then there's a warning in the passage that says, don't make the mistake, don't deceive yourself, and say that, you know, I'm in the light, there's no darkness in me. Don't say that you don't sin. All right, so imagine this um, this, this guy, this leader, this mentor, this, this older mentor just kind of writing us a letter and saying, hey, don't forget this stuff. This is the basic things you need to know and you need to know. First off, don't forget. Don't, don't think that you're perfect and you don't need God. Don't think that you're living in the light if you're in the darkness. So here we go. First John uh, 1, starting at verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth isn't in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word's not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's the propitiation for our sins, and not only for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. So if you want to pull out your notes, here's where we'll start writing some stuff down. The uh, title under there is, is The Illuminated Life. The Illuminated Life. Life lived in the light. I actually was, um, realized this morning, we live about halfway to Scotts Valley, up on a hill overlooking Santa Cruz. And this morning when I woke up, it was nice and sunny and warm and beautiful out had the windows open, that kind of stuff. And then as I came to church, guess what I ran into? Big old fog bank, and it was pretty chilly. It was even chilly here at church, and, and, I, and it was kind of dark, and I didn't really realize it. I kind of sensed the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wake up, I'm trying to show you something. You're talking about light and darkness. And this morning, I went from a place that was really light and beautiful and sunny, and I came into this foggy, dark town of Santa Cruz, which, by the way, in the wintertime, in the mountains, sometimes we get the clouds and it's all sunny in Santa Cruz. So don't just get proud if you live inland and it's sunny and warm in the summer. We all live in the dark at some times. But there's such a difference between a light, warm, sun-filled morning 
and a cold, foggy, damp one. It's just a, this darkness. And that's what this passage is talking about. Do you want to live in the light or do you want to live in the darkness? So four key words. If, oh, if you're doing fill-ins, the question is, do you desire to live your slash our best life? Live in the light with God and one another. And here's how you do that. So John is writing to these churches and saying, hey, you want to live your best life? We want, we want to live our best life. Here's how you do it. And he gives us the basic things here through these four words. I'm going to walk through these four words, and uh, you can pay attention and write down definitions or thoughts that come to mind as you, as you write them down. The first one is proclaim, and proclaim is something that someone does for you. So each one of these steps, there's a different person participating, and I want you to catch hold of that. So proclaim is someone proclaims to you this truth. And it just means to make known or publicly, to make known publicly or openly. See, John was with Jesus. He lived with him. And you know what we talked about last week, John says, hey, I heard him, I saw him, I touched him. He's real, what he said was true. And so John, as a witness, is proclaiming, I got to tell you the truth about Jesus because of the impact that he had on John's life and the impact that he had in the world, John is a witness saying, I got to tell you. It's a natural response to being changed by God is to proclaim. So step one is proclaim because John, in this case, wrote this letter and he's testifying what he knows and he's experienced. Question that goes with that is, have you heard the good news? Have you heard the good news? And you're going to hear it this morning if you haven't. And John is telling us and reminding us um, to proclaim just as he's proclaiming. So in order to live in the light, the first thing you got to do, what John's telling us, is the second word, and that's confess. Confess, which means to admit something's true or acknowledge one's sin to God. And and really, the, the heart of what confess means to just agree with God. And so if you're in the dark, if you want to keep living in the dark, don't confess. In, or say something like, oh, I don't have any sin. There's nothing wrong with me. I've never met anybody that has said that truthfully with a straight face. Um, we've all sinned. The Bible tells us we've all sinned and fall short. Or by confession, we can live in the life. And that's truth-telling and truth-living. In fact, simply, simply just by saying, I've made mistakes, Another type of confession is, and we did this in the song, is sometimes we sing about how good God is. Sometimes a confession isn't just saying the bad things that you've done. It could be the good things of who God is. God is almighty. God is all-loving. God is all-knowing. Those are confessions, and we're called to do that. We're called to confess. You can also confess, I am made in God's image. That's a truth. You can confess that I'm loved. I'm loved by God. But the core confession that, that John is talking about here is, I can't do this on my own. I make mistakes. I fall short. And we hear that, and we know we should, and sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But let me just tell you, when you live that way, or when you're around people living that way that are freely confessing and admitting, they're free. I mean, that's the difference between freedom and bondage is bondage is that you don't want to admit something. You want to keep it to yourself. You want to really, ultimately, what, what did Adam and Eve do in the garden? They hid. And God's calling us into the light to not hide. And a big piece of that is confession. 
You know the phrase, confession's good for the soul? I would say it's vital. It's not just good. We've got to have it. So that's our part. Someone proclaims, you hear the good news, and then the, God doesn't force us, but he invites us to confess, agree with him. See, God already knows all this stuff. Confessing to God is just agreeing with him what he already knows. That's the challenge, and that's our call is to do our part. So once we do our part, again, God's not going to force us, then he's going to do his part, which is the third word, which is forgive. Forgive is to grant pardon for an offense. Forgive. The picture that I like about forgiveness is um, if you've ever caught a fish and you got it on the hook and maybe you have it in the net, maybe you have it up, up on the dirt in the ground and you're pulling the hook out. I've, I've, I haven't always done this. Sometimes I eat it. But if you catch a fish, pull the hook out, and you throw it back in the water and you see it swim away, that's the picture of forgiveness is that you're free and unless I go catch that fish again, that fish, that fish got a sore in his mouth probably from the hook. But he's free to live again, freely released. And when we're forgiven by God, we are freely released. We get this pardon. Or when we forgive other people, we freely release. We let them go. We don't hold that against them. And see, have you ever, instead of talking about catching a fish, just consider, have you ever been forgiven by somebody from something? Especially if it was something big. Think about that. And what did it feel like? Amen. So good. Whew. That's right. That's the emotion that I want us to pair with forgiveness. It feels so good. In fact, between us and God, you could even call it scandalous. We don't deserve this. Like, how is it that we behave wrong and he doesn't, and then he lets us off the hook? How does that work? Only a fully loving God would do that. But John, and I believe the Lord, knows there's a couple questions when I think, well, that's not fair. Guess what he follows up with this? He says, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us. I need to hear that because I'm thinking, oh, I forgive. Will he forgive me again for the thousandth time that I've done this? It doesn't seem fair that he would forgive me this many times. Well, he says he's faithful and just. And what that means, faithful, these are kind of an extra couple key words. Faithful means is that he promises throughout Scripture that he'll do this. So he's being faithful to his promises. He's also faithful in that he does it every single time. There's no time where God, if you confess, that he says, nah, I'm not going to forgive you this time. God doesn't do that. It's not in his character. So he's going to do it because he promised it. He's going to do it every time. That means it's faithful. And then the second part is that he's just. And some of us need to hear this too, that since Jesus settled our accounts, Jesus paid, it's in a sense fair. It's okay that God will forgive us. I mean, it's a gift to us, but the debt has been paid. So he's faithful and he's just to forgive us. Some of you might need to hear this. All of us do this at some point. We say, I believe God could forgive me, but I can't forgive myself. Right? That's a lie. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but it's a lie. And here's why. The one that forgives is God, and you're taking the seat of God. You might not realize it, but that's a very dangerous thing to do to say, no, I'll be the judge here. It's my standard. I believe, you know, I know what you say about forgiveness, God, but I'm not going to go by those. I'm, I'm saying this isn't forgivable. It's too high. You're setting the standard. That's not your place. 
God sets the standard, and he's the one that decides whether you're forgiven or not. And because of what Jesus Christ did, you're forgiven. If you struggle with that, that's your personal problem, and you're wrong, right? You can't challenge God that way. God says this is the way it works. This is the way he works. It's an understandable mistake, but you don't get to do that anymore. Forgive yourself. You're not higher than God. So that's God's part. We said first part proclamation is someone else's part. Forgiveness is God's part. Third, or, um, second one is confession. That's our part. Third one is forgiveness, God's part. And then this last piece in here. Uh, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Cleanse. Forgiveness and cleansing happen at the same time together, but I want to elaborate a bit on cleansing. Cleanse means to remove dirt or stains. And remember a, a few weeks ago we did a message on science and faith and how they work really well together? Let me read an article I pulled up online. It's, it's the the site is called something like Dear Science, and then you ask a question. So let's ask science about cleansing. And actually, how does soap make things clean? Here's what science has to say. Before we can talk about how soap makes things clean, first consider what does it mean to be dirty? Most of the stuff you try to clean, with, clean off with soap, food baked onto dishes, dust caked in your sin, is infused with oil. It's hard to wash off with water because water molecules are more attracted to one another than they are to oil. Oil molecules are large and awkward, and they don't have pole ends with different electric charges, so they're not easy to bond with. When you try to wash a greasy pan with just water, it'll run off without picking up the dirty, oily particles that cling to the surface. Anybody ever try to wash that? It doesn't work. Or when you're a kid, you do it. You don't use soap. <laughs> you get in trouble because you did not clean the dishes. You need soap. But thousands of years ago, people figured out how to make a substance that overcame the deep antagonism between oil and water. If they took a fatty acid like rendered fat from a cow or a sheep and mixed it in with an alkaline substance like water mixed with ashes, it would produce a thick brown curd that was incredibly efficient at getting dirt to wash away. This recipe dates back to the ancient Roman times. They invented soap. These days, we make this substance with highly purified oils and industrially produced alkaline solutions, so it looks a lot nicer, smells better too, but it's the same product, soap. You see, a soap molecule, and I want you to think at this point, Jesus is like soap, okay? How so here? A soap molecule is perfectly suited to mixing oil and water because it shares some qualities of each. Jesus is fully divine and fully human. The alkaline substance that helped create it gives a polar head at one end. The electric charge at the head makes it hydrophilic or water-loving since the hydrogen atoms in water molecules have slight positive charges. When you turn on the faucet, the head of the soap molecule will readily bond with the nearest water molecule. So the soap and the water mix well. But that's not it. Meanwhile, the fatty acid component gives soap a long tail made of carbon and hydrogen atoms. And like oil, this tail is, tail is hydrophobic, so it attaches onto the grease of the pan. You get this? So the soap is attached to the water and it's attached to the dirt or the oil. Working together, the head and the tail lifts the bits of oil up and suspend them in water. And as the faucet keeps running, the additional water will wash the suspended droplets of oil away. Voila, your dish is clean. 
Jesus takes our sin, he can be fully divine, and somehow he can take sin on, take it away from us, and it gets washed away. Where does it go? I don't care. <laughs> I just want to be clean. At the end of our tree series, um, 8 tree 1, remember the avocado tree? And we talked about that in the Garden of, of Eden, and then we uh, revisited again at the end of Revelation, the tree of life. And this tree I was so happy with, I had it at home, and I had it in a smaller pot, and it was pretty stunted, if you remember. Still pretty small. But I put it into this big old pot, put it with new soil, watered it, took great care of it, and then here was, here was my plan. During this, these tree series, which took a couple months, I would have this little stumpy avocado tree replanted, and you'd see it in the Garden of Eden, the first sermon, and then a few months later, and I'd put it outside, and I watered it, and all this stuff, and it, at the end of the series, it was supposed to be this big, healthy tree, you know, at least bigger, and it didn't grow a lick. <laughs> and if you notice, I didn't really talk about it that much until the very last, you know, sermon. I mean, I talked about it, but I kind of apologized for it. I'm like, well, that's the tree of life. Not much life in it, is there? And then I got an email from Robin. Yes, you. And he and Laura were talking. And Laura went and inspected it and said, you know, that avocado tree, it's got something wrong with it. There's these little webs on it. Maybe there's little bugs in it or something. It's being pestered. It's, it's bothered. It's not healthy. Not healthy. It's not growing. So in this email, he said, you know, probably a bunch of things you could do. But, but one thing I know you could do is you could spray it with some soapy water. You ever heard of this? So I washed the tree. I had waited a week or two, sorry. It would be much better shape if I would have done this sooner, but I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta do it. So I sprayed, squirted it down with some soapy water and uh, kind of forgot about it, you know, kept it water and stuff like that. Literally within a week later, doubled the number of leaves and looked great. And now I, I'm like, I have to bring this to church. And the whole time I'm like, there's some message in here that's for me, that's for our church. And it has probably three times the number of leaves. If you look at it, come up and look close. And I had just bought an avocado tree about a month ago. And the, the gal there said, oh, these um, kind of lighter, darker green, different colored green leaves popping out of the tops are a sign of a very healthy tree. I never had that before. Literally, there's, you know, there was probably eight leaves on it before. I don't know how many there are, 20 or 30 leaves on it now. It's going gangbusters. And I have two other trees that were planted at the same time, and they're, like, they're about this tall, and this poor little guy doesn't, but this guy has way more leaves now, and he's going to catch up, because it got cleansed. It had a pest, had a problem, had a disease, and it needed soapy water. And in this case, the tree, or you could even say me, I needed some from, from the outside to point out something wrong. Hey, you got something going on there you might put some soap on. You need some Jesus in your life, Right? And I love that story, that picture of this tree, because that tree was alive, but it was stunted, it was bothered, and it was probably never going to reach its full potential, the full design, as God's created this thing to be, I don't know, 40, 50 feet tall, producing fruit, being fully healthy. It wasn't going to happen when it was pestered. It wasn't dead. You know, it, it actually stayed like the same height for a year. I always thought that was kind of weird. That's like life not being cleansed. It's life without forgiveness. It's just, you know, struggling to get along. You're not living in the light is what John's talking about. 
No, there's nothing wrong with, if, if that tree could talk, there's nothing wrong with me. Dude, you got pests all over you. You need some soap. The last word, and it's actually in brackets on your notes, it says, rinse and repeat. And here's where I really think we could get something out of our message this morning, because most of us have probably already heard this. If you really want to live your best life, you do these four words over and over and over. You don't just do this once. You don't just, you know, hear the proclamation, you know, confess your sins, get forgiven by God, and hopefully you're cleansed and then move on and never, never think about proclamation or, or confession or forgiveness. You, you don't think about... In, so, in fact, I would ask you to ask yourself, am I thriving? Am I growing? Am I becoming the tree, fruitful tree, that God has called and designed me to be? Am I living the way he says we can live? If you're not you got to look at these steps and say, which one am I missing? Which one am I not fully experiencing? Let me, let me talk through what that might look like. You hear and receive the good news. Someone proclaims it to you. You confess the truth. You live in the light. You receive forgiveness. And you participate in this cleaning work. Participate in this cleaning work. Yesterday... Marie and I were out on our hillside. You know those late rains caused what to grow? Tons of weeds. And the weeds are so high. And we have an extra special weed called a thistle. And a lot of them. And they're way too tall. And I have a special blade on my weed eater that's actually like a saw blade to get those suckers down. And when you cut them down, guess what happens? They fall on you. And, and they hurt. <laughs> and I'm doing this, and I've done it for the last couple of weeks off and on. But this time, Maria was there to help me, and she had a rake, and as they were falling on me, she'd kind of drag them out of the way. And I'm thinking about the message as a pastor would do on a Saturday. I'm cutting these things, hating it, sweating, pouring sweat, and I thought, you know, sometimes cleansing is hard work, and Jesus does that hard work with us, but in fact, Maria said it at the end of the afternoon. She said, you know, that was fun for like 30 minutes. I'm like, it wasn't fun at all. You know what I'm thinking? But, but cleansing, this process of walking with Jesus where he's working things out, it's, it, the justification is when we're forgiven, God forgives us. Sanctification is becoming more like Jesus. That's where the cleansing part comes in. We, we, we clean off this, you know, we're not like unclean before God because like Jesus, when he washed the disciples' feet, he said, no, you're clean, but you've got to continue to, you know, confess and get rid of regular sins in your life. That's part of what cleansing is. It's this ongoing becoming like Jesus. And Jesus does that with us, right? This last step we do with Jesus. So if you're just, you know, not partaking in this piece, not willing to go look at the thistles and get to work on them with the Lord, he doesn't just magically do it all himself. He, he invites us to, to work in the process with him. And so that might be going on. Another thing that might be going on is if you've gone through these four steps, but when it comes to repeating, you're thinking, I don't really want to, I don't want to proclaim. I'm embarrassed. I'm afraid. Those are all understandable excuses. But the proclaim piece, you know why that comes? If you've really experienced forgiveness, that's why I say look at each step, because maybe you haven't really experienced forgiveness. If you really feel like, man, I feel like God fully forgives me, or you haven't fully confessed, God, is there anything I need to admit before you? 
Or James uh, 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another so you'll be healed. It's not just about confessing to God. You're like, I want to get clean. I want to be healthy. Then you've got to tell other people what you're struggling with. Live in the light is the invitation. And so if you're not proclaiming, these are all things that can be symptomatic. You're like, I'm not really sharing my faith. I'm not really excited about my faith. Why not? Maybe you're not feeling forgiven. Maybe you're not confessing. Maybe you're not partnering with Jesus in the hard work of cleansing. Check, check each one of those things because you know what? People need to know about the love of God. And you have to experience that. When I experience the love of God, I want to tell people. I want to show it. When I'm hiding, I don't want to tell people. What am I going to tell them? I'm hiding. You know, you're not experiencing living the good news. And as a church, we want to live the good news together. And so it's, we don't live in isolation. We live sharing with one another, caring for one another. That means there's no room for shame, even though before I confess to people, I'm always nervous, like, oh, they're going to think worse of me. And you know what happens? You know what happens all the time? They're so impressed that you would confess. I know when people share stuff with me, I'm like, that is so awesome that you'd be willing to share your, you know, your struggles with me because in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's no shame there. That's how you live our best life. No hiding, but in freedom. So as a church, I want us to take communion regularly we don't do it to be forgiven, although forgiveness happens in there. We do this together collectively to say we are a church community that's proclaiming this good news. We're telling the good news. It says it in the scripture. By remembering Jesus at the table, we proclaim the good news. We're remembering the good work, the new covenant that Jesus brought in saying, hey, I've paid the price. Your part, confess. My part, forgive. Our part, we work on the cleaning together. So before we actually take communion, I'm going to give us a little extended time um, of confession. Just as appropriate with a passage like this. And I just ask you to sit in your seat and in your heart, you can close your eyes, you can bow your head if you want, but I'm going to guide us through kind of a prayer time where we ask God to bring to mind any areas that we've missed. Right, sin, there's a lot of different words for sin. One of them is you missed the mark. You know, another one's you've crossed the line. Another one's you've rebelled. Another one, you're not listening to God. There's all kinds of ways that we don't measure up to God. That's no secret, but God calls us to agree with him. Have you missed? Have you rebelled? Have you ignored him? And just confess him, and then there's nothing more you have to do. You don't, you don't pay for this. It's been paid for. You just receive it. Let's pray. God, we want to agree with you. You're not looking to shame us. You're looking to bring us into the light. We confess that's hard. It feels embarrassing. It feels scary. But you love us enough to continue to invite us into the warm light of your love. May we as a church love one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, carry one another's burdens. Now, Lord, I want to walk through a number of 
possibilities. There's probably many more. We're creative in how we sin. But as I list these, would you prompt our hearts to just agree with you in confession, knowing that you forgive us? Lord, we confess idolatry, which is anything we put our hope or our trust in that's not you. Trusting in anything that only you can do, but we're thinking something else can do or someone else can do. We don't want to give our hearts to anything or anyone else that is rightfully your place. We confess idolatry. Pause now and anything that comes to mind, uh, just tell that to God. Father, we also confess rebellion, where we've heard your truth, and yet we walk the other way. Bring to mind those ways that we've rebelled to you. Lord, we confess fear and pride. Fear is we don't think highly enough of you. Pride, we think too highly of ourselves. Bring to mind those times when we've made those mistakes. Lord, we confess jealousy and envy. We compare ourselves to other people. We want more than you've already given us. Bring to mind those mistakes. God, we confess misplaced desires, distortions, lust, greed, laziness, anger, gluttony. What starts as a good thing with you and from you, we take the wrong direction. Bring to mind those times 
we make that mistake. God, we confess ignorance. Sometimes because we don't want to know, but we also just make so many mistakes. I know I do that I, I don't even know or I'm not even paying attention. And yet we're wrong. We confess those. you have shown us and you've told us that we are to love to love you to love others and even love ourselves and we need to confess that we just don't do that and probably most of all. Lord, in the light, we confess that Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our healer. We believe that. We confess that. If you took that serious, don't listen to the lie that you're not forgiven. You are forgiven. You don't need to hear it from my mouth. It's helpful, maybe. But the God of the universe forgives you. I hope you're floating in your chair. Receive his forgiveness. His cleansing. Taste it, smell it, feel it. If that's you for the first time, if you've never done that, I would highly encourage you to talk to somebody. Come talk to me after the service. I'll be up front. Anybody has any questions? It's good to be in God's light. It's right. It's best. Thank you for listening to the High Street Community Church weekly message. We hope you were encouraged to follow Jesus. For more, please subscribe to our podcast or visit us online at hscchurch.org.